So welcome to this uh, weekend retreat. But in a way, this way we've set it up, uh, myself and Gina Sharp, and I'm so happy to be teaching with Gina, who most of you are in England and in other part of the world. I am in France and Gina is in New York. And so, you know, you kind of different time difference. And so Gina will teach in the afternoon for us, but in the morning for her. And I'm so happy to be teaching together with her. It's such a privilege. And when she teaches, it's so inspiring. So I'm really looking forward to the afternoon session. So we wanted to make this like at one level, a silent retreat for those who can do that. So if you want to use our framework, a session in the morning, a session in the afternoon, as a way to anchor a little bit like a self-group retreat. So that in the morning you start with me and then after that you can continue with walking and sitting and also you can be in silence. Same in the afternoon, you can be anchored, sitting a little bit before Gina starts, then anchored by a session and then you can do again 45 minute walking, 45 minutes sitting. And so really making it as a, a kind of an interesting self-retreat within a group retreat, which is anchored by our session. If you have the opportunity, and of course, then you can do it in silence, if the condition allow. At the same time, I am aware that one of the beauty of online teaching and retreat is the fact that it can be more accessible to more people. And so if some people can just be at one session, be at one session. If you can be at the two session, be at the two session. And the other time, in a way, bringing this, the theme, ups and down, and cultivating the quality in an informal way, as you talk maybe, as you listen, as you share the space, as you might be working. So what, in a way, the motto of this uh, type of retreat is what I call friendly and flexible. So do as much as you can and also as little as you can. How can this help you in a way to meet life ups and down in a way that suits you where you are? So this really is to set up the framework of the retreat. And so what we're going to do is take one of the qualities. So uh, you might be more familiar with meta, M-E-T-T-A. So we're going to do what I call the four qualities. It's also called the four Brahma Viharas. And you might be familiar with this term. And basically it's saying there is these four qualities of loving kindness, of compassion, of rejoicing, of equanimities. And these qualities, what we are suggesting with Gina is that they will help us meeting lives ups and down. And to see that 
often to see that those qualities are not necessarily states. I think what we have to be careful here is really about cultivation. We're not saying you must at some point be loving, loving and kind 100% all the time. Same with compassion, same with joy, same with equanimity. This is actually not the idea. The idea is that it's qualities, it's a potential. All of us, we already have these qualities. And then what we're saying here, what the Buddha recommended, is that these qualities can help you to practice them formally, but also to cultivate them informally in daily life. And also, for me, I think of them as a reminder that it's possible. When there is ups and downs, it's interesting. We're not just talking about the downs. At the moment, we are lots of ups and downs. It's very interesting because I don't know for some of you, but some of us is kind of a little intense, you know. Uh, you kind of suddenly you confine. One moment you're planning something, next morning you confine. That's what happened to the English people. You know, I was talking to them one day and next morning I was told they're all in lockdown until 8th of March. So, you know, and in the France, it's a little different at the moment because our president doesn't want us to be in lockdown. So once a week, they kind of talk to us. And then once a week, we clack, are we going into lockdown? And then we don't. So then we go up, ah, we're not in total lockdown. <laughs> so in a way, you have even the kind of like the future up and down, what we kind of anticipate. And then it happens and not happens. So at the moment, I think normally there are some of these, but at the moment, I think it's a little more kind of evident. And so in a way, when there is this up, wow, that's great. And the down, oh, that's terrible. How can the quality help us? And so the quality I want to talk about today, this morning is equanimity. And equanimity is a uh, in the Pali language, upeka. And so what I think we have to be very interesting is how do we view equanimity? Often, I mean, the image often I have is that people practice meditation and they hope that if I practice meditation enough, at some point, nothing, nothing whatsoever will bother me. And the image I have is that if I practice enough, at one, level, at one point I will jump on a little fluffy white cloud, a little cloud, and the cloud will be above everything. And so I will be in my little kind of, you know, cloud rowing about being really fine and down, oh, poor, poor. They need, you know, to practice how to come in the little cloud too. But really equanimity is not about that. It's really not at some point, 
nothing will bother me, ups or down. But it's more creatively engaging with what arises. This really is what equanimity is about. And so we have to be careful. Like the Buddha is very interesting in the text. The Buddha connect equanimity with the tonality of neither, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. But then he says there is two ways to experience this neither, pleasant nor unpleasant. And one, it's an ordinary way. And so you don't experience much and you don't really care much, especially if it doesn't bother you. But this would be more like indifference. This is not what equanimity is about. Equanimity is not about being indifferent. But equanimity is about creatively engaging. And so then the Buddha said there is another type of tonality which you can equate to equanimity. And this is one which is characterized by insight. So the equanimity we are trying to develop, to cultivate, to experience, is based actually on insight. So it's not disassociating from something, but it's by really understanding something, and then we're going to meet it in a different way. So to see that equanimity is not necessarily just being calm, because of fact, that's what it's equated with. I am calm no matter what happens. I mean, some people are like that. I mean, I met a very interesting person when I was teaching uh, seniors for a scientific experiment with meditation in France. And the meditation did not work for him whatsoever ever at all because when he was 21 because he was a very kind of shy and fearful young man suddenly 21 he decided from now on nothing nothing will disturb me and he created this way of not being disturbed so if somebody was upset he would become even calmer and calmer. So I don't know how he did it. I think it kind of was an interesting kind of perspective. At the same time, he was very critical of everybody else, but that's another story. So he kind of actually, you could say, he had this equanimity that nothing would bother him. And at the same time, he was highly critical. So we can be indifferent if we choose but that's not what we are looking for. We are really looking for a quality which will enable us to creatively engage with what arises. And so in terms of life, ups and down. So sometimes there are ups, things are really good and we have a good news. Oh, we are down. Oh, this is tough. This is difficult. 
And in a way, what happened in terms of insight is that often we are in the up. Oh, this is going to last forever. Oh, I wanted to be like this all the time. But the ups are wonderful. But like all things, they are impermanent. And the down too. I mean, the down are unpleasant. I totally agree. But generally, the down too are impermanent. They will change at some point. So in a way, if we know this, oh, this is wonderful. But it will change. In a way, we can enjoy it more because we know it's not going to last. And also the downs. Oh, there is this down, there is this difficulty. And at some point it will change. So how can I creatively engage with it right now? This is really in a way to see that, yes, this is difficult. It's not saying this is not happening. This is happening. How can I creatively engage with it? And sometimes the creative engagement is what I call creative-wise acceptance. And then sometimes it's creative-wise transformation. Then what is interesting with ups and downs is this notion uh, of imperfection. If we up, Ah, in a way, I want, you know, the perfect up. And if it's down, oh, something is wrong. It should not be so. Oh, it's my fault. This is really kind of weird, that one. And one of the down in life is illness. And my sister, my younger sister recently uh, had an operation for cancer. And I went to see her the other day and we were walking together. She is recovering well. And she was saying, it's strange. It's strange. With any other thing, I don't, would not feel this. If I had a broken arm, if I had, I don't know what, I would not feel this. But with cancer, I feel shame. Isn't it strange? I have this illness and I feel a kind of strange feeling of shame. Like something is wrong or I have done something wrong. And so we have to be careful in the down. Of course, we might have made some mistake, but a lot of things is often conditional, is accidental. And so it's kind of seeing how does this make me feel this difficulty? And how can I creatively engage with it? Because equanimity in a way is reminding us this is condition. This is not fixed. This comes about conditions. And so in a way, equanimity enables us to 
in which try to creatively engage with condition to help us to see clearly. So not to be above it, but on the contrary, what's going on right now? What's going on internally? What's going on externally? And what is interesting with my sister, I mean, uh, she's really not Buddhist. She does not meditate. But, you know, we are sisters, so we talk about things or she reads things. And she said, what helps is this impermanence to, to remember things are impermanent that she's not a Buddhist. I mean, personally, I found her fairly equanimous uh, about what happens to her, you know? And uh, she had this beautiful, she said, you know, what really helps me is I read this story. I think it's a Zen story that you're not stuck. The door is already open. You can go through the door. And so in a way, it's kind of saying, things are conditioned. I am not stuck, if, though I might feel stuck. And then it's kind of reminding us the possibility. How can I creatively engage right now? What is going to help me? How can I ask for help? Then also, in the equanimity, there is, I think, also a kind of nearly like kind of some um, uh, physiological kind of organic aspect to equanimity. And this is, with equanimity, we are also cultivating two qualities, stability and balance. And what is interesting with stability is that it's kind of something I feel we can cultivate over time, more and more, through the meditation, through the formal meditation. I feel this is one of the uh, beauty, in a way, of uh, meditation. The fact that, in a way, we sit still, or we lie down still, or we stand still. Of course, we can do walking meditation, where we still this stillness in terms of I'm stopping to do everything else because generally we act in action of worrying about our action and kind of in movement which is also very important but in a way formal practice and that's why I think this kind of uh, we can retreat can be helpful is it kind of remind us what is important, what is useful, what is beneficial. And actually there is this thing about just being still, not necessarily having to do something. And within that stillness, then that helps us physically, I feel, to develop a sort of stability within our body, but also within our mind. So to see that in part, when we practice, we anchor the body and through anchoring the body, we also anchoring the mind, anchoring the heart. And so that's one of the aspects of meditation, 
We might come back again and again to the breath, to the body, to sound. So we keep a certain type of focus. And at the same time, that type of focus, we have this friendly attitude, which later this afternoon, Gina will talk more about. But that anchoring. So we need to see that when we sit still, at one level, we're not doing anything. But at another level, we're actually stabilizing ourselves, grounding ourselves. And through that, then, you know, it's nearly like we have this physical equanimous point. Some might feel it in the belly, some might feel it in the feet. And how that physicality of stability, of equanimity, it's kind of like when we are in daily life and suddenly something happened and we are a little disturbed, either up, either down, and it's a little exciting either way, then it's kind of like we can come back to ourselves. We can come back to our breath. We can come back to our belly. We can come back to our feet. I mean, very long time ago, I was teaching and somebody was so anxious speaking in a group. And so she was very anxious at the end of the retreat with the sharing. And so throughout the retreat, we work on her stabilizing herself with her feet, just being aware of her feet again and again and again. And then when we had the sharing, actually she was able to speak. And as she was speaking, she was telling us, oh, I must be with my feet. I must be with my feet as a way to actually calm the anxiety, stabilize the anxiety. So it did not stop her from sharing. So only that stability through the body, through the stillness. Then the other aspect of equanimity is balance. And balance doesn't mean you are balanced all the time. No, what it means is that you can move one side, here is the up, come back in the middle, and we can move the other side. Here is a down, ups, come back in the middle. So balance is about the fact that we are not so overwhelmed that we cannot come back to a middle position, that we cannot come back to some kind of, kind of a base balance space. But it doesn't mean that we kind of remain there all the time. We cannot because things change according to condition. But it means that we move one way, we move the other way. We can be very excited, happy. And then if we're too excited when we are happy, it's interesting. We kind of sometimes lose, kind of get a little kind of agitated. And then up, you can come back to kind of a warm, friendly, feeling of happiness, but which is not disturbing. Or you can be, you know, in a difficulty and then really kind of it agitates you or it makes you fearful. And at the same time, you can experience it. And at the same time, see, I am not just sad. And then can come back to the one of the elements. So the difficulty is one element, but you can also come back to another element which is part of you, which have my more stability. 
slogan. I think stability and balance really go together. If we have this point of stability, then we are easier to come back to balance. And then another aspect of equanimity is actually to treat equally. And that in a way is really a challenge because of course we have preferences. And so here, what is interesting is that the Buddha is saying, can we treat things, people equally, but of course, wisely. We're not going to treat everything in the same way, but there will still be this treating equally. Because we can see, I mean, the bias, oh, I prefer this, you know, and I'm going to be more friendly to that person and less friendly to this person, or that person uh, is kind of uh, more famous and I want to be kind of more close to that person. That person is not famous, who cares? You know, so you, you can see we are easy, we easily don't treat equally. So in a way, the Buddha is saying, can we try to treat more equally what we encounter, but also within ourselves to, of course, to have a pleasant meditation is more pleasant. But at the same time, we're still meditating and it's still valuable even if you have a so-called bad meditation with lots of thought or you are really agitated or you're really sleepy, you're still meditating. You're still sitting still. You're still trying to anchor. It's still with an effect, but it will be felt very differently. And often the treating equally is more kind of reacting to the tonality instead of, one could say, creatively engaging with the condition. So it doesn't mean we cannot enjoy a pleasant meditation, but not expect it to repeat itself all the time. And then look at the bad meditation as what's the point? Actually, the point, I mean, unless you're really in a difficult place, yeah, of course, I would not recommend to sit still with it. But otherwise, that's what is very interesting to see that, you know, you might feel really, mm, that's a nice meditation. Then in the next one, nothing is happening. But it's as valuable to sit there. And that too passes. So, you know, we're seeing a little bit that idea kind of wisely treating equally. And personally, I think this so much. Uh, with people. Of course, some people will be our friends and things of that nature, but I think it's kind of how can we treat more people equally? And I personally, I feel with the, the COVID-19 situation might have really helped us to treat essential worker more equally, more pleasantly, with more respect, with more friendliness instead of assuming, personally, I think it has shifted. I would say the client relationship. 
Because if you are really in a client commercial relationship, then you think, well, you know, I am the client. The client is king, queen, princess, princesses. And so I am the right to be served in this uh, princess-like way, possibly. Well, no, no. It's kind of like we, I think it's, so much better to be grateful, you know, to the cashier working during COVID-19, to the bus conductor, to people in planes. Oh, I was talking to an air steward uh, yesterday who was so frightened in uh, kind of being doing his job in a plane. So in a way, suddenly we shift the relationship. And I think that's what equanimity does. It's not saying, oh, I must treat everybody equally the same. But possibly I need to treat more people more equally. You know, it's kind of looking at that. Again, the same in terms of nature, in terms of uh, trees, in terms of ecology. It's kind of asking us not, not to enjoy our friends, but also can we treat more equally? be more respectful in a way. And I think that's part what equanimity is about. And then I like to uh, leave you with a wonderful uh, image that uh, Stephen uh, found in a Pali text, an early Buddhist text. And in it, uh, the text was saying an equanimous mind is like gold. It means it's brilliant and it's malleable. And so in a way, when we cultivate equanimity, I think what we are doing is in a way cultivating the brilliance, the brightness of the mind, and also the fact that we are adaptable, that we are flexible, what I also call creative engagement. So we kind of remembering these two aspects of equanimity. It's brilliant and it's malleable. And in a way that's when we cultivate equanimity, this is what we're trying to cultivate. This is what we're trying to develop. So this is what I wanted uh, to say today in terms of the instruction and the presentation. And so now uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do, a, I'm going to do a guided meditation uh, on equanimity. And before we do this, we could just stand up for just a minute so that we can stretch a little. So for the meditation, again, if we can find a comfortable posture. So you might want to sit on a chair. You might want to sit on a cushion. You might want to lie down or you might want to stand up. So whatever suits you with uh, what level of comfort uh, there is in your body. So if we find a comfortable posture, 
my staff, we have a little bit of feeling of elongation, the head going toward the sky, and then finding a comfortable upright position. Then we relax the shoulders. Then the hands might be in the traditional posture on the thighs or between the legs, whatever feels comfortable. And then the eyes can be gently closed or half open, gently gazing in front of us. then gently bringing our attention on the breath. Feeling the air coming in, feeling the air coming out. Can we rest on the breath? Can we anchor on the breath? Gently coming back again and again to the breath. The sensations we experience when we breathe.
Now we could move the tension to the feet or to the seat, to places which feel very stable in the body. The feet touching the ground, the buttocks touching the cushion, places where we can ground ourselves, stabilize ourselves. As I anchor in the feet, anchor in my seat, can I creatively engage with thoughts that arise? I could accept they're there and they will pass at some point. Or I use the feet, the seat, as an anchor to come back again and again to the whole experience. If the thoughts are not so helpful.
as I anchor in the feet and the seat, can I creatively engage with feelings, emotions that might arise? Can I accept them knowing they will pass at some point? that they might be already changing within themselves? How do I use the help of the anchor, the feet, the seat, to bring us back to a wider experience? This organism in this environment as we try to anchor through the feet, the seat. Can I creatively engage with other sensations that might arise, that have a reason? Accepting them, knowing they will change at some point, by coming back to a more neutral sensation, like maybe the feet or the seat, not amplifying the sensation. Not reducing ourselves to just one sensation.
Now, opening our attention to sounds, listening to the sounds around us, listening to the music of life, If we have tinnitus, then we can stay with the anchor of the breath or the feet and the seat. Otherwise, just opening ourselves to sound. Noticing how sounds arise and pass away. And if they continue, how they change within themselves. Can we listen to sounds and treat sounds equally? Can we creatively engage with the sounds around us?
Can I experience some stability right now? How does it feel? Can I locate it somewhere? Can we sit, lie down, stand in meditation as grounded as a mountain while also as open as an ocean? Can we experience some balance right now? Balance in the body, balance in the mind, balance in the heart. 